For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, you know, I always remember, um, you know, we should, we should aim high because we're not always going to achieve our goals, but there are a lot of things to accomplish along the way. I always, you know, I always like uh, laugh a little bit when I look back, I joke, you know, in 2012, my goal was to make Ron Paul president of the United States. I failed. And all I managed to do was take over the state Republican Party in 2016. You know, after that, I told myself, you know what, I, I, I could get out of this. But, you know, I know that Rand's going to run four years later. I'm going to dedicate myself to the goal of making Rand Paul the president of the United States. You know what, over the course of that next four years, I totally failed at making Rand Paul president of the United States. I only managed to win two terms into the state Senate, pass constitutional carry, reform my medical cannabis laws, and all sorts of things along the way. You know, so a lot of things that people look at, it's like, wow, you had all those big successes along the way, Eric. But really, I was aiming for something much higher, and I always miss that. But there are many smaller victories along the way if we aim high. So aim high and recognize um, you know, there are, even if you fall short of that goal, there are, there are many, there are many victories to be had. What is up everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> all right. All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, episode number 127, and uh, today I have a few returning guests on that I'm very excited to speak with about the uh, ongoing topic of strategy. I did an episode before, and Taylor will be the returning guest because this was um, a little bit of his and I's idea, but um, I guess real quick, we'll kind of go around and uh, kind of give a brief introduction of ourselves and uh, kind of describe where, um, you know, where we were at one point. And where we are now. So, um, Eric, you were on the show about when I first started. So, um, and I know there have been some interesting developments for you as of late. So, uh, go ahead, uh, kind of let everybody know what's going on with you and uh, where you're at and where you've been. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know if I need to introduce myself or, but um, Eric Brakey. Uh, I um, I was for a time the, the the spokesperson for Young Americans for Liberty. But I got my start in all this as the state director for the Ron Paul campaign ten, 10 years ago, served two terms in the Maine State Senate as a Republican, uh, was the Republican nominee for the United States Senate in 2018. And, uh, and right now I'm running to recapture my old state Senate seat and uh, take the fight for liberty back into the state capitals, where I, I really think that uh, that's where that's the place to plant our flag right now. Cool. 
Yeah, sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> Taylor, if you just want to do a real quick uh, introduction, like I said, yeah, this is you and I's kind of baby initially, so I'm I'm sure people probably won't need much introduction. Oh, man, I just lost I just lost my audio. Uh, that's fine. Go to Brandon. Yeah, Brandon, go ahead then. Oh, he's sure, sure. that. Uh, Brandon Harnish, uh, running for Wells County Council uh, in Indiana. Uh, that's Northeast Indiana. We're just a little way south of Fort Wayne and about two hours northeast of Indianapolis. Um, <clears throat> as far as my background goes, I mean, I was a Ron Paul supporter in 07, um, when 2000, or 07, 08, um, when 2012 came around, um, I had entered into a phase of just total political abstention. Um, and frankly, I'm, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's an interesting time to have this episode because I feel pretty fried right now with the party and with politics. And um, now I'm gonna argue for why the Republican party is the way to go. <laughs> so if, if, you, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm in a, a grieving process. You can see my grief memes after a horrendous Jim Banks um, tweet today, who he is my congressman. So, but that, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty much the relevant stuff. I'll, I, I'm unopposed for council, so I'll be on there. Uh, we've been making some major changes in our county uh, property rights, taxpayer first type reforms, uh, really stacking, trying to stack our county top to bottom with libertarians and liberty Republicans um, using board appointments and using the electoral process as well. Yeah, that's all really cool stuff. All right, Taylor, you good? Yeah, we're good to go. I have no idea what just happened there. But uh, yeah, um, still just been uh, working behind the scenes a little bit with um, Hopping.org, been getting that going a little bit. Um, been publishing some more articles, which is good. We'll be getting some more out there. But uh, yeah, honestly, um, I'm just ready for for state election season and federal election season. It's going to be fun. Uh, going to try to attend some meetings soon um, locally. And uh, yeah, um, I'm I'm excited to see some developments. I've liked where Pittsburgh, in particular has been going in terms of the, I guess, the the better Republican candidates that have been running. Um, the Mastriano-DeSantis event just happened up in the city that was very well attended, and the counter-protest was not, which was hilarious. Um, and uh, yeah, so like how everything's going, uh, excited to see some developments. Cool, cool. Yeah, I didn't even know that was going on. Um, honestly, I wish I probably would have actually attended that because that sounds like it would have been a hell of a good time. Um, so I guess I want to throw this to Eric and then we can kind of get um, you guys' thoughts going forward. Um, the GOP seems, I don't want to say necessarily divided, but it, it almost seems like a sheep without a shepherd. Maybe that's not even the perfect word to use for it, but um, there's two shepherds and they don't quite know where they land. Now, if you look at Twitter, everybody's 100% for DeSantis, as in every single poll I've seen is in support of DeSantis. Um, Eric, I haven't heard you talk a lot about the kind of presidential stuff, or at least if you have, it just hasn't been brought to my attention. Um, looking at 2022 and 2024, um, I think there's a lot of good Republicans running that I like as a, you know, formerly very biased LP guy, now slightly less biased to the LP. Um, what are your thoughts federally and then locally going into 2022 and 2024 for the GOP? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess I would say for me, I mean, I'm not particularly excited about the presidential field one way or the other. 
unless, of course, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky decides to make another run, uh, which I'm skeptical that he's going to do. But if he does, I'm behind him 100%. I mean, if we're choosing between DeSantis or Donald Trump, I guess I'm kind of ambivalent. I see them as, um, you know, I could point to certain things I like better about Trump, certain things I like better about DeSantis. Neither one of them is really my standard bearer on the on the real principles that I care about. Uh, but I do see them both as 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 huge improvements upon you know what the Republican Party was when I was coming of age under the George W. Bush era. I'm, I'm very grateful to the uh, to this America First movement, the MAGA movement, whatever you want to call it, for drumming people like Liz Cheney out of the party. Uh, even if I do have my my differences on particular issues with this movement, um, I think that we are at a time right now where uh, what the Republican Party is is um, is still is an, a bit of an open question right now. You know, there are these times when a party is out of power in the federal government when we you know put a question mark at the end of what the party really is. You know, I, I think about the time that Barack Obama was president and there was this real competition. You know, between you know is the party going in a Rand Paul direction or a Ted Cruz direction or is the old guard establishment kind of you know going to you know what 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 is this party what are we moving from and what are we becoming uh, i think that we're in one of those moments right now uh, of course everyone's focused on trump and desantis i would say that it is incredibly early uh, to really uh, you know know what the presidential field's going to look like in 2024 and to some degree i think that uh, focusing too much on the federal level can be a bit of a distraction for the liberty movement because I think the real opportunity is while the uh, the MAGA folks and the neocons fight for control in Washington D.C., where the liberty movement is really making advancements in the state capitals across this country, where we're getting hundreds of liberty legislators elected for the most part as Republicans. So there, there's been a an LP candidate here. There is one, actually, I think only one, uh, who's uh, uh, been elected. But you know, glad when that that happens. Um, but but that's where the real strides are, hap are are happening. And I'm excited because I think as we start to reach this critical mass of liberty legislators in state capitals across the country, we become we are in a position where we can start to do some very interesting things with nullification to fight back against this tyrannical federal government to pass things like defend the guard legislation to uh, to end the wars uh, and to you know nullify unconstitutional policies you know, at, at every turn. Uh, we haven't been in a position to do that before because we have a scattershot of liberty people elected in state capitals. When I was in the state Senate in years past, there was maybe you could count to 10 as far as kind of Ron Paul style liberty legislators in state capitals across the country. And that's if you were being generous. We're well over 250 now. Uh, and it's a very exciting time for the liberty movement if you're paying attention to that. But if you're only watching what's happening in Washington, D.C., you're going to miss the big story. The media wants us to pay attention to Washington, D.C. That's the circus that ev that grabs everyone's attention. But the states have a lot of power in our constitutional system. And that's where we have a competitive advantage to win seats and to make uh, real, real change from the bottom up. Yeah, well, that's, that's very, very beautifully put. And um, I really don't know that I would disagree with any of that. And, um, you know, when you, um, to speak to DeSantis, when you look at the way that he runs Florida, um, there is a lot of opportunity down there. And, you um, it, it, it is a very, very free state. And I think when you continually see, you know, that kind of example being set, 
And when you have more and more liberty legislators and people appointed to different offices, um, that does make a lot more um, of an opportunity for liberty. So, um, Taylor, do you want to kind of tag on anything there? And then, Brandon, you can, uh, you know, add on after that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I absolutely love how, uh, how Senator Brakey put that, um, where the real liberty movement is going to be localized. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I'm a hoppy and I, I, what must be done, all that kind of stuff where you really have to focus on local elections and nullifying giant federal power through state and local power, even nullifying state power through local power, as we saw over the last two years, which was very important, um, is going to be the way forward. And, uh, all of us being in the Republican Party here, I think that that is going to be the way to go in terms of the party to work with in especially the next uh, couple years. And uh, and I know Brandon and I are, are, are very, very close on this, where we look at the Republican Party as the easiest vessel for power that you can take and use to... Um, disappoint the left in your local areas and abroad. Brandon? I was waiting for you to throw it back to me. I, I, <laughs> no, 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 you were good I wasn't sure if you were going to make a comment. Um, the, uh, the, the weakest, the, the individual, nothing is weaker than the individual in the face of totalitarianism or the total state. Nothing is weaker. We have to take institutions. Uh, now, obviously, we have to protect institutions like the family. That's that's a given. Go to church. That's important. But taking local institutions, state institutions, so it's what we have to do. Uh, you know, and you know, Indiana has actually been a um, pretty successful Young Americans for Liberty. I, I think that's the organization Eric worked for. Um, we've had some success. Uh, we've had some losses too here in Indiana. Um, I know right now, uh, Zach Payne, representative down in Southern Indiana, is an extremely libertarian um, uh, Republican state representative, um, actually uh, introduced him to um, democracy, the God that failed. And uh, he sent me a message. He just read the first chapter and he had the little mind blown emoji. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what happens when you read Hoppe. Um, so that was a, that was a fun exchange. But. Um, what we're do what we're doing here in Indiana is, you know, at least on the local level, um, we, I work close, and I, I think we've talked about this, Kyle. I work closely with my local Libertarian Party um, to recruit board candidates. Um, so we here in Indiana, if you have a, for example, a property tax assessment, you know they assess your home at four hundred thousand dollars, and you pay property taxes based on that assessment. Um, if that if you feel like that assessment's unjust or unfair or too high, you can appeal that assessment to our local property tax assessment board of appeals. And right now, uh, it's a three-member board, and we have um, we own two of those seats. Uh, so one of the members is a Liberty Ron Paul Republican, and the other is a card-carrying member of the Libertarian Party. And we use the Libertarian Party to control these boards because there are bipartisan, bipartisan, excuse me, bipartisanship statutes in the state where you cannot have 
three Republicans or three Democrats on a board. Interesting that you actually could have three libertarians according to the way the law is written, um, but that's just not the way it works. So we've got one libertarian, one liberty Republican, and right now our local assessor is 0 and 2 on appeals. The appeals just started. I believe they've got 61 more to go. And we anticipate the assessor going 0 and 60 or some change here this year. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't hurt the county because they can always adjust their tax rates. It just keeps the assessor under control. Uh, so that's one way we've been effective. Um, I could go on, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the subject is. I guess we're talking about using the Republican Party to to initiate change for, for, for liberty and for, for freedom on the local yeah. and state level. And um, yeah, we're doing a pretty good job of it. My county attorney, um, he's a hoppian. <laughs> and uh, he told me that he's never seen two people, um, myself and another political ally, ask more legal questions. And I said, well, that's what happens when you actually try to do something when you're in politics. There's so many people in the Republican party who just want the title. They just wanna be Councilman Smith and they're gonna sit there and they're gonna vote yes on everything. And you know, maybe they can wheel and deal their way into a state rep seat for a couple terms. It's, I, mean, I, I tweeted this out the other day that cowardice is the biggest problem in our party. Um, it's not ideology, it really isn't. Um, and I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted by the cowardice, I really am today. <laughs> That's why we need more libertarians in this party. What's going on, guys? Um, we're going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about these show sponsors and the way that you can support me and this podcast. Um, I'm sponsored by Axe and Sledge. Won't really focus in here, but uh, right here in my hand, I have their um, the grind, which is essential amino acids and hydration. Um, feel free to check it out. Um, this is your mom's sweet peach. They have some awesome flavors and awesome names. They also have multivitamins, fat burners, creatine, beta alanine, um, all sorts of different supplements to help you get all jacked and tan and help you become a person more full of uh, liberty and health as this show is about. So um, if you want to support me and support this podcast, then feel free to go to axandsledge.com and check out um, all their great supplements there and use code Matovic10, that's M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K-1-0 at checkout for a little discount and to let them know I sent you their way. All right, everybody. Thanks. Now back on to the show. Yeah. Well, like I said, this has been something that I'm constantly kind of mulling over because um as taylor and i were kind of having a little bit of an exchange um and this is something i want to get you guys thoughts on but um anthony sabatini didn't take a picture with some of the guys from the libertarian party of florida and at first i was kind of like okay well what's the the bigger context like i don't think it's that big of a deal and then some people said okay well maybe it's just because of people from the other party maybe it's you know they did something but then just like the reaction from the libertarian party of florida i'm like this is ridiculous because from what i understand florida has more beneficial laws actually for the libertarian party so um why are you going to jack around with the one dude who look i don't agree with 17 on everything but he is like a he's a ron paul libertarian that's just in the republican party so why are we going to fight that guy and if, I, and if I can step in here, Kyle, um, Sabatini is a extremely liberty Republican, extreme liberty Republican, and he will, um, I guess, flip the tables. Um, we've had a couple of those guys here in Indiana, and 
they are no longer in office um, because they became, and I like both of those guys. Mm-hmm. So this is not personal, but they became impossible to work with um, for even friendly legislators. And it wasn't necessarily them. There were some other local political action committees that were really, really bad. Um, if Sabatini had taken that picture, it could be used against him and he could be removed from the party. Um, you, could be a, you could be a Republican in bad standing. Um, they, they could put your picture right there and then they could put a, a list of all the worst things libertarians say and stand for. Uh, I mean, that is just, I understand why the Libertarian Party would be upset, but keep in mind they're running somebody against Ron DeSantis. And Sabatini is the most pro-DeSantis legislator. How is he gonna take a picture with the LP when they're directly going after DeSantis? So in that case, in my opinion, the Libertarian Party of Florida is in the wrong for spurging about that picture and Sabatini did the right thing. Yeah, so I'll add, I'll add something to this. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know anything about this story. I don't know anything about some picture but with, that didn't happen between Anthony Sabatini and Libertarian Party members. I'll leave that to Anthony Sabatini. I, I have a lot of respect for him. I know him personally. Um, and I think he's, uh, you know, he's a champion in the legislature. And I was sad to see him lose his primary for Congress. But I will also say I was a little, uh, um, he's been such an effective state legislator. I was also a little sad when he decided to file a run for Congress because I thought we really needed him in the state yeah. legislature there. So it's a bittersweet thing. I, I, I hope that that means that he can continue to fight in the state capitol there, especially there's so many important things going on in Florida. Uh, Florida could really benefit from an inside leader like Anthony Sabatini in the state capitol. Um, but putting that whole whole kind of thing aside and talking about kind of larger picture, some of the dynamics when you are uh, in the Republican Party and you're trying to be a standard bearer in the Republican Party and um, the associations with the Libertarian Party. So here's something that happened to me when I was running for Congress two years ago. Um, Justin Amash, who is someone who I know and considers is someone who I look up to. I don't always agree with on everything, but I have tremendous respect for and um, I think, you know, was a real champion in Congress for a long time. Uh, he, you know, left the Republican Party. He joined the Libertarian Party. And he uh, announced that, you know, he was looking at running for president um, uh, against Donald Trump. Now, me as the front runner in a three-way race for Congress... Um, someone who ha- you know, who has spoken positively about Justin Amash, who has pictures of me and Justin Amash together, uh, my, my opponents saw this as an opportunity to really damage my, my reputation in, uh, with, with, with the voting base in the party. Um, so not only did they kind of find pictures of me and Justin Amash and say, look, Eric Brakey is you know, friends with this guy who's going to split the vote away from Donald Trump and make Joe Biden president. Uh, but one of my opponents wrote a letter condemning Justin Amash for running for president. And it was a totally hyperbolic, totally, you know, a ridiculous letter and demanding that he drop out of the race. And both of my two of my, my, my two primary opponents signed it and they went to me and said, will you sign this letter? And of course, 
I wasn't going to sign that letter. They knew I wasn't going to sign that letter. I would never do that to Justin Amash. I have too much respect for him. But that became an opening and a wedge that they were able to beat over my head and start to create this narrative that I was some never Trump candidate who wanted Donald Trump to be, you know, uh, to, to lose to lose the election and that I was some kind of mole against, you know, against uh, Donald Trump. The irony, of course, was that, uh, well, there are many things I did disagree with Donald Trump on. You know, I was very, very pro-Trump on his America first form policy and trying to end the forever wars. And both of my opponents were, uh, well, one of them was an outright neocon and uh, the other was just a, a um, someone who was a, um, well, it's just a total phony, phony all around. Uh, but this was, but this was used against me and, and to bludgeon me in my in my Republican primary. So when I hear about the situation with Anthony Sabatini, I, like I don't know all the details that, there, but Anthony Sabatini is someone who is trying to be a standard bearer within the Republican Party and to move it in a direction of liberty. And he's also doing it with, you know, he's adopting a lot of the the MAGA Donald Trump, you know, uh, um, um, uh, st you know the style of things. But he's ultimately pushing a liberty a liberty message. Um, a very philosophically consistent underneath all of that. Uh, so I think people have to give him uh, the respect that he deserves for what he's doing uh, and uh, don't sweat the small stuff. If he felt that he had to make a strategic decision there because he's trying to work a particular strategy, then, you know, there's no point in sour, sour grapes, grapes and all this because these, um, because the fact is, a lot of Republicans do see the Libertarian Party as something when someone gets on the ballot, they're going to take votes away from the Republican candidate and make the Democrat win. And look, when Liz Cheney's on the ballot, I'm all for it. <laughs> um, you know, but um, but but it can really it can really sabotage our 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 uh, Liberty champions uh, within the Republican Party if uh, if it's not done uh, carefully. Yeah, so um, real quick, I'll throw it to Taylor, but I just want to add this one comment here. Um, we mentioned uh, having a person, Hector Roos, who's running up against uh, Ron DeSantis. Um, I tweeted this out and said that this is going to be a black eye for the Libertarian Party, where, um, like I said, as a slightly biased LP person, um, I want to see the Libertarian Party succeed and do great things and get people elected and help do the same goals that we all have. But when you run somebody like that, People don't see this guy is more liberty-minded than Ron DeSantis. They see this person is going to take away my liberty, and they want to make sure that Ron DeSantis loses. Now, I think it's going to be inconsequential no matter what, but people look at that as an assault on their freedom when you run somebody like that who is going to potentially steal votes away from DeSantis. So I know that was a little bit of a tangent, but uh, if you guys have um, – I'll let Taylor go first, and then if you guys have anything to add to that, you guys are more than welcome to. Yeah, with that whole situation, I didn't like how it was done, regardless, um, waiting for the guy to announce that he lost to say, oh, look, you lost, you deserve this because you didn't take a picture with us after you gave a speech or whatever. I mean, that's just the it's typical old LP loser bullshit that I, that I always hated, where whenever somebody loses in the Republican Party, especially somebody as good as Anthony Sabatini, God bless Anthony Sabatini, a true warrior. Um, I just, I, I can't stand that attitude. I, I, I hate whenever they piggyback, whenever they piggyback on somebody losing, that's great to just stomp on them and say, well, you should have took a picture with us because you support the second amendment. If Anthony Sabatini would have won the primary, the LP would have ran somebody against him. Why would he take a picture with anybody with LP Mises caucus or L libertarian party signs 
if they're going to run somebody against him because he's willing to go on the offense against the left, who's somebody who is, who is I mean, Sabatini is a, a well-read person whenever it comes to the stuff that I hold dear, especially in terms of ethics and everything like that. He knows what he's talking about, but he's also willing to go on the offense, and that's why a lot of people don't like him. And that's why a lot of people don't like DeSantis as well. I'm, no, I would never claim DeSantis is a libertarian. He's very far away from that, but he's somebody who's willing to protect certain protect certain things that uh, people who value liberty hold dear while holding the left off in his own state. Um, but still, that, I, I couldn't stand that. That was absolutely ridiculous. It was a it was a cheap shot, and it was it was just typical LP loser stuff that I'm just not interested. And even this, even talking about anymore with people, I used to have arguments and be like, "Where do you think this is going to get you?" But now I just disregard it as as just typical loser stuff coming from people who are historically losers. Mm -hmm. If you guys have anything to add, you're uh, feel free to. Um, but uh, the, yeah, if you guys have anything to add, um, if not, I I got another topic that I want to uh, kind of. Well, you well guys. I think I think it's um I think it's useful to mention that. For for anybody who's interested in getting involved in the Republican Party, um, and they're coming from that libertarian background, uh, and you know it's one thing to be involved in a pack, but if you're actually in the party and you're going to run for office, you do need to iron out some of those rough edges when it comes to libertarians. Um, now, there's nothing you know there's nothing wrong with like yeah I'm like a Ron Paul Republican well you know he's a Republican I usually discuss I'll talk about Thomas Massey Pat Buchanan and whatnot but when you when you start cozying up and again you know the, the libertarian the, the work I do with the libertarian party is not something I discuss with locally here um, you know my I'm running for county council to recruit liberty-minded property rights-minded people for these board positions um, and the, our local, I'm not the first person around here to use the Libertarian Party to get people they want on these boards. My chair has done it. Um, I just, just be careful about that. I mean, it is a competing party. And, you know, for as many great people who are in this party, in the Republican Party, um, and there's a lot of people in the Republican Party who have, you know, yeah, the Libertarians, we can use, we can use them. We want them in here. That's the truth. But um, it is still an antagonistic relationship and there are still a lot of people in the Republican Party who will use that to destroy you, to, to defeat you, as, they, as Eric discussed. So um, it is something you have to be careful about. And, and, you know, I'll say also credit to Sabatini for thinking quickly on his feet and just walking away from that pit photo op. I, I might not have done that. I might not have thought that quickly. And, oh yeah, there's a bunch of people, friends, gun rights guy let's take a picture next thing i know it's on there i'm a traitor i'm not a real republican libertarian don't they support gay marriage and abortion rights on and on and on right um yeah if you guys have anything else to add there i i do agree though i i didn't think about that initially when i kind of asked the question but um as you guys kind of elaborated on it, it definitely makes sense and especially in the state of florida as i kind of mentioned earlier um, when you have somebody running against DeSantis and then you have these guys saying, hey, come take a picture with us, it, it, it is pretty bad optically. And I, I don't just want to focus on that conversation, but um, if you guys have any kind of other things that you kind of want to hit on in that general kind of area, you guys good? Cool. Um, so 
one thing that I want to give a little bit of pushback on when it comes to the Republican Party, there's a couple black eyes, I think, going on um, within the last couple of months. And two of those that came to mind um, are Anthony Sabatini and then obviously Ian Smith out of New Jersey. Um, those are two guys who were fantastic by our definition, but why did they lose? Because if the Republican Party, and I don't want to straw man this position, but if we're supposed to believe that the Republican Party is moving in a more liberty-based direction, which I, I think it is, um, why would these guys lose? Like Sabatini lost to Corey Mills, who is pretty bad on a lot of stuff. I mean, he called the war in Yemen a proxy war with Iran. And I'm sure if you go on his website, he's probably very hawkish on China and probably rough on a couple other issues. But um, um, I'll toss it to Eric first. What are your thoughts on some of the... Uh, like this kind of stuff where the good Republicans don't win and you end up getting, you know, these people who we wouldn't put as Liberty Republicans. So um, a few things I would say, uh, first of all, I don't really know the dynamics of either of these two races. I knew that Anthony Sabatini was running and I, you know, I know him and I followed it a little bit from a distance, but I don't know anything about, I don't know anything about the, the people he ran against. I don't know anything about the guy who won the primary. And I don't really know what happened in, you know, in the, in the final stretch. Um, but I can speak from experience as someone who did run for Congress, who did lose a, a primary for Congress, despite being a, a, a popular state senator within, uh, within my own party with uh, a lot of accomplishments that made me very popular with the Republican base. And I think that uh, part, part of it is when it comes to getting into Washington, D.C., we are we are at a disadvantage in a way that we are not at a disadvantage when it comes to getting into the state capitals, because um, we are a, you know, Liberty Republicans are a threat to the D.C. establishment in a way that no other branch of the Republican Party is, not even the MAGA branch of the Republican Party. All right. And so we have seen this time and again, that anytime we have a real principal liberty champion who runs for Congress and has a, a shot at it, the, uh, the uh, Republican establishment drops as much money as they need to to make that person lose their primary. In my case, it was clear they didn't care who won the primary as long as it wasn't me. Right. Uh, they um, uh, they spent. Um, you know, there was a super PAC that came in and spent half a million dollars against me in the last couple of weeks, labeling me a never Trumper based on the Justin Amash thing, based on comments I made against Trump when I was supporting Rand Paul in the primary. Uh, the irony, of course, was always that I was the the America first candidate who actually wanted to end the wars, you know, and that was what they really didn't want. Um, so, um, but so Washington, D.C. is a very, very heavily fortified citadel of corruption. And we are going up against major powers when we try to get one of those seats. And we know how much, uh, just how much a, a fly in the ointment someone like Thomas Massey and Senator Rand Paul have managed to be there. Uh, and so they really don't want more of them. Um, and they'll spend whatever they need to to keep us out. But when we're talking about 100, uh, you know, um, 100 U.S. Senate seats, or 435 or whatever the number is, seats in the House of Representatives. You know, they can guard that limited number of seats pretty well. 
But what they cannot guard is the thousands upon thousands of state legislative seats across the country. And that is the Achilles heel of this entire system of tyranny and corruption, because the um, the 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 Constitution is, you know, despite the fact that we certainly, you know, lost touch with a lot of things over uh, our constitutional kind of structure over time, still so much in Washington, D.C. can only be done with the tacit consent of the states. And the moment the states, uh, you know, either individual, you know, an individual state or states working together starts to push back, uh, there's a there's there's a lot of power there to undermine uh, what's going on in Washington, D.C. Um, and, and, and our competitive advantage as a liberty movement is not that we have one great champion who we're going to get into Congress, who's going to be our guy, or one great champion who's going to be president of the United States and change everything. Our competitive advantage is that we are many, and we can run for these many thousands upon thousands of legislative seats across the country and local races and things like this and we can we can un, we can whittle away at the tyrannical system from from uh from you know from the support structure underneath it nice yeah and I they really... can't stop us there mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's uh what's really important about what brandon's doing um taylor to kind of throw it to you then um what do you see about the losses um, of two people that, like I said, I th that from I think our perspectives would be ideal candidates? Politics is politics. Democracy is democracy. Um, sometimes there's going to be a lot of people. Well, the, there's going to be a lot of people that might actually agree with the candidate that you would like the most, especially within the party that they're running in. And a lot of money uh, gets thrown as as uh, Mr. Brakey said, uh, there, a lot of money gets thrown the other way. They get they get hit from the whatever angle that the other side feels is is going to make it hurt the most. And a lot of times as well, people don't feel ready for somebody as 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 bold or as radical as those two candidates are. They might they might love the results from their legislating. Um, without even knowing who they are. Uh, in the case of a Sabatini, um, the people of Florida who probably voted against him benefited greatly from the bills that he helped to push through. But whenever they hear the nasty things that people say about him uh, through his competitors, um, through sides of the GOP that don't like what he's doing, um, and uh, people in the Democratic Party especially that don't like what he's doing, that can pile up and that can make a difference and that's the that's the part that's rough about this and the only thing that will make sure that these candidates become mainstays in the legislature at large um obviously starting locally because that's going to be the easiest place to start uh, for our proverbial march through the institutions um it's it's going to have to start local and when people when politics starts to when good liberty Republican politics start to influence local cultures, like, I mean, DeSantis completely, I mean, he's not a libertarian. Uh, I, I say this a million times, but what you can bend a local politic to your absolute will. And DeSantis got in by how, how many votes? And does anybody know? A couple hundred thousand, maybe? I think it was and like 10,000 votes. 
Yeah, and he became one of the most popular legislators in in a recent American history. And there's a reason for that. Um, people might have felt hesitant to vote for him at first, and that's why it was so close. And then whenever they see the results of somebody being that good at bending the political will towards where, what they want to see in that political body, people will follow. And there are many steps to get there, obviously. And they're the, the whole... I'm not really a, a great man theorist here or anything like that, but there are certain steps that you can take. Local is definitely where you start, uh, but you're going to take some losses along the way. Um, the, where the Republican Party is going is in a positive direction, um, which it has been for the past six, seven years, um, far more than the previous eras of my life. I mean, the Republican Party was terrible in whenever I was born. Uh, uh, well, post Pat Buchanan to Ron Paul, it's, it was essentially a, a bad party. And then whenever Ron Paul lost until Trump ran, it, it, it was a bad party then as well. Um, but it's getting better. There are more people that are liberty-minded that might not even know it, that just want to be left alone, the old-school conservative politics that are, that are gravitating towards politics again because they feel that it's the only way that they can defend themselves against an American left that wants to take everything from them that they hold dear. So the Republican Party has to harness that energy and make more, and that will make more radical liberty-minded candidates become more optical for the entire Republican population. Nice. All right, uh, Brandon, now what are your thoughts surrounding... Uh the losses of them too, and kind of your takeaways and anything you want to add to either what uh, Taylor or Eric said. Yeah. So, you know, when Sabatini lost, I, um, it was rough, you know, I, I was pulling for him, but at the same time, you know, th these are highly localized, very particular elections. You know, where you're not, you're not going to get a good snapshot just looking election to election. Like wh what's the Republican party doing? I mean, just a few weeks ago, Blake Masters, um, uh, Joe Kent is it Joe Kent um, up yeah. in Washington? So Blake Masters, Joe Kent, those guys are excellent. And oh yeah, those guys want what's what's that, Eric? Oh yeah, they are excellent. I yeah. I, I don't know that I would necessarily say they are. Uh, you know, uh, they're I wouldn't necessarily say they're they're Ron Pauls, but they're uh, um, I've, Joe Kent especially has been so amazing on foreign yeah. policy, like. Probably the, the best person on foreign policy I've seen out of the MAGA movement, um, right, right. you know, elected to Congress. Uh, I, I'm very interested to watch what he does. Uh, he is both an authority on the foreign policy because he served uh, yeah. and he is just dead, dead on uh, when it comes to how he talks about the wars. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you can you can just at the end of the day, this is politics. And, and Tyler, or excuse me, Taylor said it, democracy is democracy. Uh, and this is, so, and, and, you know, for Sabatini, the establishment dumped over a million dollars into his, into his opponent's campaign coffers. That, that's hard to overcome. Uh, um, as far as um, Smith up in, um, up in New Jersey, I just did a quick Google search. I thought it was the, I think he was a gym owner that refused to shut down during yeah. COVID, right? Yeah. So I thought that's who it was. Yeah. The so, reason so why I, brought, I sorry. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I looked him up, and um, he had apparently been pulled over for a DUI not long before the election, and he had a history. He actually killed somebody when he was 20 years old drinking and driving. 
I mean, I don't care what your ideas are. You're not going to win that way. You're not going to win when you have that kind of history and you, I mean, when you get pulled over again right before the election, it looks like it might have been in, in March or April that he was pulled over. And, um, and, you know, who's to say what quality of a candidate he is? I don't know his, I don't know his district. Um, something I had to really, so it was kind of interesting. Again, I mentioned this before, but in Indiana, we had two state legislators. One's name was Kurt Nisley and the other is John Jacob. And these guys, boy, they made life miserable for the um, quote unquote establishment GOP in Indiana. And, um, and there is an establishment GOP in Indiana. Um, it's not as bad as the GOP in DC. These guys aren't exactly progressives or, or anything like that. I don't, I don't wanna, but, but the reality is, is there, there, there was this animosity and um, it was redistricting and they gerrymandered both of those guys out of their home bases and um, dumped, I believe, a com I believe the combined amount was either $500,000 or a million dollars into their opponents' campaigns. And they lost, uh, and it was not close. Now, you could look at that and say, well, look, Indiana's rejecting these Liberty Republicans. If you just look at the, the results, but the reality is, is that it's a lot more complicated than that. There's money involved, there's districting involved. At the same time, Americans for Prosperity, were, they were able to um, get a, a state Senate seat, an open state Senate seat, and get one of their libertarian-minded guys in the Indiana State Senate. And one, uh, um, there was a legislator who'd been there for about 20 years, state, state legislator, his name was Dan Leonard. Um, he's an all right guy, I know him. And um, he was running against a girl. Uh, her name was Larissa Sweet. And she was connected to the same pack that Nisley and Jacobs were connected to. Well, she won. She beat this guy and it wasn't close. And the Americans for Prosperity campaign, that wasn't close. They wiped the floor with their opponent. So, and there were several other Liberty candidates in Indiana who won. So, you know, we can, you can look at the Ian Smith campaign and you say, you know, what happened? This guy was great. I thought the Republican party was fertile soil. Well, you know, it is still a fight. You know, this, this, this is like Eric said, you know, these are corrupt, fortified citadels, whether it's Washington, D.C. or Indianapolis state capitals. They want to protect these seats. And um, I tell people, I, I tell some of my liberty friends, you know, I'm not trying to fight the establishment. I'm trying to become the establishment. Leadership matters in this party. And um, you have them. Look, power corrupts. Power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I'm familiar with that. Um, but I don't see any other way. Uh, I mean, Justin Amash has talked about being in Congress. Like, we don't do anything. Leadership does everything in Congress. So even in this, in the hierarchy of hierarchies, Congress, there's a hierarchy. That's the way these systems are built. Um, and, it, and organized minorities move the needle. Yeah, I'll, I'll I will say, uh, if I could, could add something, you know, yeah. you know, and there's interesting dynamics too, in terms of uh, your relationship, if you're working through the Republican party and your relationship with your local establishment of the party. Um, 
you know, I'll, I'll say during my time, you know, when, when, as certainly as I got involved in all this, the Republican establishment hated my guts, uh, mostly because in 2012, we, you know, took over the state party uh, at our state convention with kind of the Ron Paul wave. Uh, we kicked a lot of, you know, beloved establishment people out of uh, uh, state committee spots. And, and um, uh, the, yeah, that, that convention is remembered very fondly or very miserably, depending on who you ask and their perspective, you know, uh, from there. Uh, and when I ran for the state Senate in 2014, so just two years later, there were, you know, more established uh, senators who said they would never work with me, even if I managed to get elected. But here's the thing, you know, um, I, I, I ran for and I won a seat where I ousted a Democrat um, and in a, in a very big uh, swing district that has swung back and forth, um, you know, over and over again um, and over the years. In fact, it's predicted the Senate majority in every election for the last 14 years. And, um, you know, and the Democrat who I ousted was someone who had been like in elected office, various offices for 36 years. And I ended up trouncing him by like 18, 18 points just by kind of getting out there, knocking on doors and recognizing that the liberty message is unique from just the generic Republican message. I can connect with a lot of voters that the generic Republican message can't always connect with because there's something in liberty for everyone. I was able to get certain Democrats and independents and, and, and all that. Um, so while I continued in the state capitol to uh, to many times make the the establishment uh, miserable, uh, calling for roll call votes on bills they'd rather not have roll call votes on. Um, and, Eric, and if I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but that that's yeah. what makes life miserable for leadership, and that that's what Nisley and Jacob yeah. did. Yeah, leadership. Yeah, leadership wants to protect their members. Because that's, you know, these are the people. The thing to understand about leaders is they don't just have their constituency of the voters who elected them back home. They also have a constituency of politicians who elected them to leadership. And so they uh, and all these squishy politicians are very risk averse. So the moment you start putting them on record with things, um, they uh, they aren't very happy about it. Uh, but in but in my case, because I, I hold a very purple, uh, I held a very purple district. And since I left the seat, a Democrat won it again. And with it, the Democrats took the majority back in the legislature. Um, I, I, I found that the establishment doesn't always like me, but they recognize that they need me because they haven't been able to run a candidate who can win this district in the last couple of cycles. And so that, that puts at least me in a very uh, different position than perhaps someone who is a Liberty Republican who is occupying a safe red district that the establishment feels more entitled to. And uh, when they have someone who is uh, rocking the boat and challenging them in a safe red district, they're just much more apt to look for how do we get rid of this guy and get one of our our cronies in so there, there can be all these kind of different dynamics you know with 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 these things as well uh in in state politics cool you guys got anything to add yeah i'll i'll say um that's a that's a very good point um i talk with various people on on twitter obviously you see me see me on there all the time if you follow me at t underscore shiring it's it's not too hard to find me um but uh but pittsburgh pennsylvania at large especially including philadelphia disgusting um it, it uh that's a tough one and that's probably the main critique you could have 
as somebody in the LP, I guess, even though the, they're going to have a harder time of, of how do you think that you're going to make the Pennsylvania Republican Party better? And how do you make the state of Pennsylvania better? Because it is such a, a Democrat held urban voting centers type place. And that is a very, very fair critique. But then I see all these people at this Mastriano DeSantis event where obviously something's happening in the Pennsylvania Republican Party where maybe they still won't win in the urban districts. I, I highly doubt they'll ever win in the urban districts. But Pennsylvania's still a thing. If you win enough of those people, if you change the culture enough around us, um, you, can make a, you can make big change. And uh, I, say it, I say it all the time whenever I'm on stuff like this, but it, the, especially talking about party politics in general, you will need a standard, uh, a, a, you will need to essentially copy the march through the institutions that the left did over the past hundred or so years, or at least what the neocons pulled off by being a group of people in the 50s, in the 60s, that came up with this post-Trotskyite fake right-wing ideology and essentially won over the second, the, the one of the biggest uh, political parties in the entire world. Um, this isn't a this isn't a short term thing. It will take a very long time, uh, but you can get short term wins, obviously. But whenever we talk about reforming entire political parties, they're essentially, like Brandon said, becoming the establishment in these parties. It will take a march through the institutions. It will take moving in, winning here, winning there, influence here, influence there. And then eventually you'll get it. How long that takes is up to the work and how good the people are. Uh, but yeah, it is. It, we are at a very interesting time. And it's, it's good to see that um, there's a lot of good people being received well, even if they, they don't do that well in their elections. They, they still have other options and they still have a lot of fans and their political careers aren't over by any means. All right, guys, um, I'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor. Um, I am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through LMNT Electrolytes. Um, I have used these electrolytes for years. Um, back when I used to do a lot of fasting, in fact, I used to drink, sometimes I want to say up to seven a day, seven little packets. So um, the packets are full of all the electrolytes that you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly. Um you need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you. Um, sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, you don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes and water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to seven grams per day in hot climate. So um, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast and uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through Element. All right, guys, thanks. Nice, Eric, um, go ahead. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'd like to add something to that um, because I think you're, first of all, I think your point is very well taken that we do have to look at the long-term and not just get caught up in the short-term uh, you know, what happens on, you know, this election cycle and that election cycle. You know, I think that um, 
uh, I, I remember in 2012 when Ron Paul didn't become president, I, I know a lot of people said all hope is lost and they checked out and they, uh, you know, they, yeah, and I'm, hey, you know, I get it. People want to move on with their lives and do other things, you know, uh, you know, dedicating your life to this isn't for everyone. We can all help in different ways and in different capacities. Um, but, uh, you know, I think by having kind of a long-term vision and recognizing it's not going to all happen in one fell swoop and recognizing too that a victory does not always look like, a win does not always look like what we imagine it might look like. So let's look at Anthony Sabatini's race. Did he win his race for Congress? Is he going to be a member of Congress, at least, you know, in the next uh, cycle? No, he's not. But I bet you he's got a much bigger email list now. I bet you uh, he has a much bigger activist base now. I bet you his influence around the state uh, within the Republican Party is much bigger than it was than when he was going into it. And so uh, was it a total failure? I bet you no, it wasn't. Uh, I bet you there is a lot of winning that comes out of that. And he's going to be uh, more powerful than he was before, even if he's not going to be the next congressman from that district. So, you know, I always remember, um, you know, we should we should aim high because we're not always going to achieve our goals, but there are a lot of things to accomplish along the way. I always, you know, I always like uh, laugh a little bit when I look back, I joke, you know, in 2012, my goal was to make Ron Paul president of the United States. I failed and all I managed to do was take over the state Republican party. In 2016, you know, after that, I told myself, you know what, I, I, I could get out of this, but you know, I know that Rand's gonna run four years later. I'm gonna dedicate myself to the goal of making Rand Paul the president of the United States. You know what, over the course of that next four years, I totally failed at making Rand Paul president of the United States. I only managed to win two terms into the state Senate, pass constitutional carry, reform my medical cannabis laws, and all sorts of things along the way. You know, so a lot of things that people look at, it's like, wow, you had all those big successes along the way, Eric. But really, I was aiming for something much higher, and I always miss that. But there are many smaller victories along the way if we aim high. So aim high and recognize um, you know, there are, even if you fall short of that goal, there are, there are many, there are many victories to be had. Cool. Yeah. Um, I got, um, like two more things that I kind of wanted to hit on. Um, if you guys don't have anything else to add to what Eric just said. No, that, that's excellent, Eric. I, that's, that's, that's really inspiring. I need to hear that today. <laughs> Appreciate that. You know, that, 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 that is, Jim Banks tweet just pisses me off. <laughs> you know, that is uh, really, really cool stuff. And uh, I know when I had Eric on the first time, he mentioned all that, but it wasn't put in quite that fiery way, but that is a uh, really, really cool thing. And I, um, I do got to say, I do get frustrated with libertarians who are very, very binary. I, I don't know if you could even say like, I don't know if it'd be, the word would be trinary where they just say, oh, it has to be a libertarian party. It can't be the Democrats or the Republicans because they're all the same. Well, there's nuance here, right? A lot more nuance than, you know, they're two wings of the same bird. Um, so kind of moving on from there with the takeover of the Libertarian Party by the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus, um, there have been a lot of developments that I liked where their Twitter has a lot more of the firebrand kind of liberty stuff that we like to see. But then, 
you hear about their treasurer who works for a company that kind of endorses ESG. Um, you see this whole deal of acting like children because a certain politician won't take a picture with you. You see them run against Santos. Um, and you see them now floating out somebody to run against Marjorie Taylor Greene that was promoted by reason, which I think is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, what do you guys think, or why not, work with the Libertarian Party of Mises Caucus as a strategy to kind of build culture from the ground up and do things at a local level? Because I, I do see some success there. I don't know if it's going to be any more or any less than the Republican Party, probably less. But um, Eric, I'll throw it to you first. Or you know what, I'll, I'll throw it to Brandon first. And then um, we can kind of go the other way around and then um, kind of just elaborate on why not the Libertarian Party and why the GOP instead. Well, for example, my, my local Libertarian Party chairman didn't, until I told him, he didn't know what the Mises Caucus was. There is no state or local infrastructure in the Libertarian Party. It doesn't exist. The Libertarian Party exists online. And you, know, you can point to examples in certain states where it's maybe a little stronger. Um, I understand that. I mean, yeah, I mean, here in Indiana, the the Libertarian Party candidate for governor got about 20% in our region. That's just because everybody hated Eric Colcom. Those are disaffected Republicans. And I, I just see very, uh, with the exception of using the Libertarian Party to capture the administrative state on the local level, potentially to run guerrilla campaigns against rhinos if you have a really, really strong local party, which again, there's not very many of them. I don't see a realistic pathway. And again, now we're just talking tactics. I don't have an, a moral problem with the Libertarian Party. That's, that's not what this is. It's not right or wrong. Mm. Just tactics and strategy. And I know I, I listened to your pot, your interviews with Angela and others. Um, and I've heard others say, you know, well, it's just a tactic. You know, we can, we can try it and see if it works, right? Well, th there is a, libertarians are a limited resource, particularly libertarians who are committed to political action, real action, not online tweeting, not, not that, but they, they actually want to get involved in flesh and blood politics. Well, when you take that libertarian and you put him in the libertarian party, that's one fewer libertarian in the Republican Party who can make a difference. And I'm telling you, people don't, people think because we live in a democracy that it's about the masses. It is not about we the people. An organized minority wrote those words, we the people. That's who moves the needle. And I'm, there's about six of us here in my county, a county of about 35,000 people. Six of us are moving the needle. One libertarian. You take one libertarian away from his local Republican Party and you drag him into the local Libertarian Party, which may just be four guys, you really are taking a valuable resource. So I, I reject the idea that this is just something we can do side by side. We can work with the Republican Party. Not if you're, not usually, not I don't mean to talk out of both sides of my mouth here because I do use the, the Libertarian Party in a very limited capacity. But when you're, you know, there's only like four Libertarians in our whole county who are actually in the Libertarian Party. And two of them are husband and wife. And then and there's like two others. 
And one of them's on our local tax appeals board because I got in there. I know the commissioners. We have Liberty commissioners. They appointed him. We have two Liberty commissioners out of three. And there's me who recruited the guy. That's three people and the guy we needed. Four people are changing boards on the local level. You, you simply can't do that by moving, by trying to grow your libertarian party and talk to the we the people and wake the people up. Um, my local libertarian party chair still believes that. And I've, I've, his barbecue restaurant was shut down by the county. Those health board members are no longer on the health board. But he was shut down by the county. He had hundreds of people go to the county commission meetings, go to the council meetings, city meetings, and support him. He didn't get reopened. And that health board member remained on the health board until we got our liberty commissioners in there and we got that guy out of there. It's the minority that moves the needle. That's a hundred, hundreds of people going to support him. Doesn't matter. You get a minority with power and you can move and you can make changes locally toward in a liberty direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, to build on what you're saying, you know, there are those who believe kind of the education theory of politics that, yeah, we'll get change if we educate the masses to believe the right things and then things will magically change. Mm -hmm. um, or the even worse version of that is we're going to educate the politicians to know what the right thing is and then they're going to do the right thing. Of course, that's even more naive. What really changes politics and on, on issues that matter, on controversial things is when you shape the political environment around the politicians to make it politically expedient for them to do the right things, regardless of whether or not they believe it or not. You know, when we passed constitutional carry in Maine, it wasn't because I went to the politicians and asked them nicely and said, you know, it'd be really great if we got people their freedoms back. And here's what in here, have you read the second amendment? This is what it says. Did you know that it says this? And they said, oh no, I didn't know it said that. Well, I guess I better vote for this now. No, it's because I, you don't make friends with the politicians. You make friends with their voters and you let their voters know to put pressure on the politicians and to threaten their reelections if they do the wrong thing. Uh, and then the politicians will do the right thing real quickly because it becomes about self-preservation for them. Uh, you know, Thomas Jefferson was right when he said when, uh, you know, when, when, the, when the people fear the government, there's tyranny. When the government fears the people, there's liberty. And I think the real problem we've had these last couple of years, especially, is that we have a lot of people afraid of the government, and the government is not adequately afraid of the people. So that is what, that is what we need to do. You know, and you can't then, you know, look, if someone wants to just be kind of the confrontational person from the outside, you know, I, I suppose it doesn't matter, you know, all that much. I mean, depending on, I guess, what your particular strategy is. I mean, you know, if, if, if you want to just like put pressure and do, do phone call campaigns and email campaigns on your local politician, I suppose you could be a member of the Libertarian Party and you can do that just as easily as being a member of the Republican Party, I suppose. There's no reason you can't be. But if you want to be that person on who, who kind of gets on the inside, uh, and is the inside champion that we need those people on the inside. And if you want to be in a position to help get those people elected in the primaries, you got to be in the right party to do that. 
because the, the system is built in such a way. And we can say all day long how unfair it is that we have the two-party system. It's totally unfair. I get it. But at the end of the day, you don't get to change the rules of the game unless you get to win the game and be in a position to change the rules. So uh, we can kind of have all kind of our moral virtue of, oh, I'm not going to be in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. And you know what? You're going to be on the outside throwing stones for a very long time. Uh, and I think that for a lot of people, a lot of people like that. I, I find a lot of people in the liberty movement like being on the outside throwing stones. It's an easier and safer place to be. I know a lot of people in the liberty movement I've worked with over the course of the last 10 years who would only pick losing battles because winning, winning is scary because when you win, you are suddenly accountable for what comes next. And that's a scary place to be. So it's easier to be on the outside throwing stones. And I will say this as someone, I actually, I, you know, I, I joined my local Libertarian Party because I found out that you can be both a registered Republican and I guess the Libertarian Party is like a lesser member where you just like sign a non-aggression principle that you support this, which and I figured, great, you know, I like these people. I think they're good people. I want to be able to work with them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm on the ballot as a Republican because uh, that's how I'm going to win a race. There's a there's a saying uh, in politics, you're either you're either at the table or you're on the table, and libertarians are on the table, Republicans are at the table. Yeah. That's just a matter of party. You don't have to change your ideology. Yeah, and, and uh, to to add one thing here, and I think that people really need to get over this hang up of like, well, I don't want to be in a party with that Republican. I mean you know, name, name who it is, you know, in the past it was, how could you be in a party with Dick Cheney and George W. Bush? Or how could you be in a party with, you know, wh whoever it is? You do more damage to those people by being in the party with them because you are fighting them on their turf for control of their institutions. They are happy when you leave the party, they are happy when you're not there because they can, especially uh, if you're, if you get elected to, you know, uh, like a state, you know, like a, a position within the party itself, they're happy when you leave because they can replace you with one of their cronies. You are not, uh, you are not hurting them by not participating in their party. You are actively helping them uh, maintain control of, of these, uh, these institutions. I'm in, a, I'm in a group chat on Twitter with a bunch of young libertarians. I enjoy it. Sometimes I forget how much older I am than them. They, they didn't live through the Bush years and they don't realize how bad it could be in the Republican Party. And, you know, they tell me, well, you know, the Republican Party is not libertarian enough. And I'm like, well, what have you done to make it libertarian? Well, you know, nothing. Well, that sounds like a problem for libertarian. That sounds like the libertarian's fault. If the, if the Republican Party if the right-wing party in this country isn't libertarian enough for you, there's nobody else to blame but you because you've stayed on the outside. You've been in the LP. You've been doing whatever else other than trying to fix this damn party. Nice. Yeah. and uh, I'll, I'll get through to them one day, those young guys. <laughs> you will. You will. It only <laughs> took me uh, like a year. Um, but... <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, all those are absolutely fantastic points. I don't know if I could if I could say them any better. I mean, really, the hangups on the, on from good people in the LP that say I don't want to be in the same party with 
this Republican because they're so bad and I can never I can never work with that person. Good libertarians just took over the Libertarian Party in like a, a, a year. And if you would use that same justification for joining the Libertarian Party, you would have never joined the Libertarian Party and you would have stayed on the outside. So point. I've heard the same people literally say, like they say, I would never be a Republican. I could never work with these people. And then there were people that were probably worse. I mean, well, definitely worse than your average Republican on, on many issues that they, they were chomping at the bit to get them out of that party. Why not do it with a party that is actual, a real vessel for power where you could make a real difference, especially especially in the short term locally and god willing in the long term kyle i have a question for you yeah go ahead um are you familiar with FACL foundation mm. for applied conservative leadership no um i recommend you uh, do a google search and uh, see if you can find a class it's a um, political activism class or a political training class i took it it was um invaluable and, um, you know, being in my 30s, I'd been around for a while. And when I took, if I would have taken that when I was in my 20s, I don't know if it would have sank in. But as an adult and, and kind of just being in the system and do this, this is like going to teach you how to be a wolf yeah. in politics. Every, everything I know about tactics and strategy in politics, I learned from FACL. Or a FACL-affiliated organization like the National Association for Gun Rights. Right. They teach the model of confrontational politics. I was literally every, just about to say I got the book. <laughs> yeah, that every, every activist in the liberty movement who wants to be effective needs to know confrontational politics and how it works. Otherwise, you're going to waste your time and energy at things that don't work, trying to change the world through education strategies rather than confrontational strategies. Nice. And, you know, Kyle, when you, if, if you ever do take a FACL class, I'd love to do a debrief with you and, and chat about it. I know a lot of the stuff in FACL, they don't, they don't publicize, but we could, I think we can talk freely about it without violating confidence. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think I'm definitely going to look into that. Um, yeah. I, I know you guys were on a tad bit of a time limit, so I just want to throw the one last thing out to you guys and we'll do plugs and rock and roll. Um, I'll pose this question to all you guys, and Taylor, you kind of answered it before um, on the last show, but um, what would it take for you guys to change your mind about the Libertarian Party? Eric, you can go ahead and go first. Um, yeah, I, I would just need to see a viable path to, to – uh, I would need to see someone kind of lay out a plan of here is what victory looks like, and here's how we're going to achieve it. Uh, and, and if victory just looks like, hey, we want to be the best messengers and preach the pure message on Twitter and social media, that's valuable. But that's not necessarily what I'm interested in, right? I'm interested in winning elections and, and, and shaping policy from the inside of these institutions. Um, so um, if we ever got to a day when, I don't know, like one of the two major parties collapsed, which has happened in the course of, you know, American history, and the Libertarian Party somehow seemed poised to take its place, or uh, serious election reform was passed, like, uh, I don't know, ranked choice voting across the country or something that, something that made it more uh, uh, viable for 
a, 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 a third party to have a, a credible path to victory. Um, you know, that might change my opinion, but, but my, but the biggest reason why I'm, I'm, I'm very skeptical of the Libertarian Party as a, as a path to success is simply the fact that the rules are written in such a way that it makes it nearly impossible. Uh, Taylor, if you just want to give a brief answer. Yeah, I'm not sure how much my answer's changed since the last time, but really, I mean, it would, for me to stop, I, I said it before, for me to stop actively advocating against libertarians joining the libertarian party they would have to move in a far more right-wing cultural direction essentially out outright the right on everything because i i mean i believe the libertarianism is essentially a, a right-wing philosophy and the only way that you're able going to be able to bring in more of your local conservative people who are far more conservative than most of your elected Republicans. We, we, everyone knows this. The only way that you are going to be able to really make a path forward is if the Libertarian Party established themselves as we are more conservative. Well, I, I hate saying the word conservative because it means so many different things at different times. But, um, we are more right-wing than your average elected Republican, and we actually believe in something. And that was, an, uh, that was a real way forward. I would stop advocating against them. Would I join? No. Um, that's really not... Uh, the, the political power choice is very separate from my what I think that they should do and where I think that they would be a valuable resource in terms of maybe uh, moving things in the right direction. Um, and I, I do want to say, uh, every time I, I say that I advocate against the Libertarian Party, it's because it's not because I'm not a Libertarian. I'm a, I'm, I'm a strict Rothbardian. I'm an, I'm an ANCAP. Uh, my ethics haven't changed in a very long time, but my opinions on political strategy have become very paleo over the years. I mean, I am a paleo Libertarian. I believe in using and essentially becoming the right becoming the American right and using the current American right to move forward in a direction where everyone becomes more free and everyone enjoys more liberty. Um, but really, there isn't much that's going to change my mind in terms of joining the party. But for me to stop telling people not to join, there would they would have to move in an, a very um, more outright the, the right direction. Oh, uh, Brandon, good. Yeah, my goals would have to change uh, realistically. I mean, if I, so if I, if I was on county council for two terms and I was ready to retire and I was just really pissed at the local Republican Party, I might just quit, join the Libertarian Party and then retire. I mean, I, that's about what it would take for me to go, go to the LP. I, I don't know of any other any other realistic pathway. I mean, like Eric said, if a, if a party collapses or you have this just massive, almost revolutionary change in voting, yeah, you could, you could kind of move in that direction. Um, but I mean, I just, again, political parties are not about education. They're about power. And I don't have a problem with the Libertarian Party existing if their priority is education. But unfortunately, you're seeing this um, party torn between two worlds where they're running candidates against DeSantis. Like, I didn't think that was the plan, Mises Caucus. And then they're um, really trying to 
spread the message of liberty and like, well, spreading, educating voters doesn't win elections. Not, not like that, not, not trying to change minds. Um, finding people you agree with, that's how you, you know, recruiting allies. Uh, at least that's what's worked for us here locally. Um, I, I don't know, I, Kyle, I, I just don't, I don't see a realistic option here. I mean, I, and I don't know if that's because, uh, I, I don't know if libertarians, you know, if, if you're in the libertarian, but that's, that's what confuses me about Amash is I don't understand, I mean, I can understand the frustration if he, if he was really committed, uh, really bothered by what was happening in DC with Trump and the Republicans. And he's like, I've had enough of this, enough of this corruption, uh, enough of the direction of this party, I'm out. But he was quitting. He, he quit the Republican party and he didn't run for reelection for a seat. But, I mean, so I mean, that, that's what I, I, don't, I don't understand. How, how he could see the donors, the lists, the mechanics, how the sausage is made, and then go to the Libertarian Party and think that he was going to like realistically like run for president. He wasn't serious about winning. I, I don't see how he could have been. And Eric, I, I know you respect the guy. I've never met him, and I, I don't have a beef with him. I'm speaking out of my own. I'm trying to understand. Yeah. Once you see how it works... Yeah, you know, I, obviously, I, I disagree with Amash's uh, change in strategy and tactics, um, and and I and I disagree with you know how, um, you know, much he 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 came to he I, I you know I don't think he saw the opportunity in Trump like you know someone like a Thomas Masti or Rand Paul did. Um, in terms of the opportunity to kind of move the party in a new direction and perhaps at a certain point to uh, maybe pick up the baton somewhere down the road and take it in a much more libertarian direction after that. Um, but I, I'm not a mind reader. I can't, I can't yeah, speak right. for him. I, I, and I, but I obviously disagree with him on these things. But I just also, I've looked up to him for years. I mean, I remember being, you know, like a little junior activist, you know, showing up to CPAC in 2011 to vote for Ron Paul in the straw poll and Justin Amash, you know, newly elected congressman, you know, uh, 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 there, um, you know, speaking to all of us and, and, and so many of the courageous fights that he, 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 he made in Congress over the years. And um, I disagree with, you know, some of his turns in the end, but uh, that, that just doesn't detract from how much respect I have for the man for everything he did, because I, I know how hard it is to be the guy in the arena, you know. Right, and, um, and, I'll, and I'll, maybe just to put a bow on this, for, at least for my, my contribution, uh, and I didn't mention this, but in 2004, I was in high school, I started our local libertarian party. When you're in high school and you've never been in a real, You've never seen how the sausage is made in politics. You don't understand the money, the campaigning, the, the social influence that a party has. And I could see why young people, like my Twitter, my group of like 18-year-olds in the, in the Twitter group, the libertarians, why they would be like, yeah, let's do this libertarian party. But now I'm 36. And I just don't, I mean, you might as well join the Elks or your local Moose Lodge. Uh, that's that's kind of where I see the Libertarian Party as, at least in its social and, and political capital. The beer's cheaper at the Elks. Yeah, yeah. At Libertarian Party events. <laughs> to, to be fair, to be fair. Um, and and uh, I guess to kind of put a bow on everything and then we can do plugs. 
Um, one thing that's kind of irritated me about libertarians is about how much they hate Justin Amash of all people who, um, yes, kind of like Eric and you guys laid out um, towards the end, I don't agree with every single one of the decisions that he made, but let's not forget this dude has stood up for the individual liberty and against, um, you know, the NSA and all the spying and all the wars. This dude has been a hero for liberty. And I feel like people just throw that out the window because he now has some mildly bad takes and mildly bad timing on some things. But if you ask him about any of the stuff that's actually controversial and like, is meaningful he has the right opinion 100 of the time but it's just once again his finger on the pulse of culture can be relatively poor but um it's kind of like a little side tangent i get so annoyed when people aren't grateful to someone like um you know justin amash thomas massey Rand paul who have tangibly or tangibly fought for liberty um, okay, kyle can, can you me. and i could be wrong um isn't Amash in a relatively purple district. Oh, I have no idea. Eric, do you know, or he was? That's the Meyer district now, or formerly Meyer. District. Yeah, my Meyer took a, took the seat uh, from Grand him, Rapids. and and now it's uh yeah, it's looking like with Meyer losing a primary, people are predicting perhaps the Democrat. So it doesn't totally, but I don't know how it's changed over the years with redistricting. You know, maybe it was a safer red seat in the past. I have no idea. Just doesn't totally surprise me that a Republican who would be followed by Meyer would maybe not be culturally right wing. And you have to have those cultural moderates. You just do. If you want to be competitive in some of those, some of those races. Yeah, well, and I will say, I, I've often wondered, you know, for, for Justin, and, and look, I, I don't want to project, I'm not, not a mind reader, but I also wonder if it was a little bit personal for him. I mean, you know, his family is, you know, uh, you know, he, it, you know, Palestinian immigrants, and I wonder if some of the, just kind of the immigration rhetoric was very uh, uh, hit, you know, very personal for him. And, and, and if that's the case, I can certainly understand, uh, you know, why it was very hard for him and kind of to, to really find, find a place where he felt comfortable in the Trump era. So look, everyone's situation is different. I don't want to judge the man for kind of coming to different conclusions in this moment than I did. Certainly, I know as a libertarian operating within the Republican Party, it was often hard for me to find, you know, uh, you know, where do I fit in, in the, in, 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 in the Republican Party under Trump. It was much easier when, you know, I could, you know, just be anti-Obama and be the most anti-Obama person. And people were like, wow, you're a strong conservative. It's like, yeah, can you believe all these wars Barack Obama is starting? Yeah, we hate wars now because Barack Obama is doing it. Like that was, it was easier to be, you know, to be a, a Republican champion, you know, when you don't have this clear standard bearer who you differ with on some points. And for Justin Amash, I wonder if, if, if particularly some of the immigration rhetoric was just very, very hard for him to stomach. Yeah, and I hope I'm not coming across as critical of Amash. It was more of a curiosity as to, you know, as far as the, the politics, why you would leave the GOP for the LP. I just didn't understand it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. A lot think, of respect for Amash. Right, yeah, I don't think any of us um, were critical of him. Um, yeah, do you guys uh, got anything else to add? Do you want to do plugs and uh, get on out of here? Plugs cool. are good. Nice. Uh, Eric, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um... You can follow me on Twitter at Senator Brakey. You can follow my uh, campaign Facebook page, Eric Brakey for Maine Senate. And while you're over there, you can, uh, if you want, you know, I'm running for the state Senate. As I mentioned before, it's a big swing seat. I've got a tough fight. I'm out there knocking doors eight days a week, but I still got some funds I got to raise to fully fund our budget. If you want to go to brakey 4 and chip in, 
uh, whatever you're able to, it 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 goes uh, it goes a uh, it goes a great distance and means a great deal. Nice, Taylor. Hobbying.org. Read the articles. Send me a DM if you want to write. Um, if anybody's curious about where I'm coming from in terms of my beliefs on electoral politics, uh, read a strategy for the right by Murray and Rothbard. Um, why paleo by Murray Murray and Rothbard. The Case for Paleo-Libertarianism by Lou Rockwell and What Must Be Done by Hans Hermann Hoppe. And you'll essentially get why I feel how I feel. And uh, follow me on Twitter, T underscore Shiring, S-H-I-R-I-N-G. Thanks, nice. Kyle. Of course, Brandon, good. All right, Twitter, PaleoGOP, PaleoGOP. And Facebook, you can type in Harnish for Wells County Council. Love to... Love to get you on there as well. Um, I don't post a lot on my Facebook campaign page. It's not really an active thing, but on Twitter, I post quite a bit. Then you can always send, re send me a friend request on my personal Facebook page. You can just look Brandon Harnish. I'm in a Hawaiian shirt with my wife. Send me a friend request. I'll add you. Just make sure you smash the love react on all my crap. Appreciate it. <laughs> of course. All right, guys. Well, I really appreciate your time. Um, I think this is a lot of fun. And um, like I said, I always enjoy these conversations. And um, I find myself almost agreeing with the last person I spoke to when it comes to strategy, as much as I hate that. But uh, I, I constantly get pushed in one direction or another. And it's tough for me to find somewhere to settle. So uh, yeah, one more time. Thanks, guys. And I hope everyone else enjoyed. And uh, make sure you go check all these guys out and support them. Make sure you support me and like this channel. Thanks, guys. Till next time.